So this morning we have a guest, not really. <laughs> we have a first time preacher, and I want you guys to go ahead and give thanks to the Lord that Adrian's going to preach this morning. And join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have anointed and continue to put your spirit upon the people here at Oikos, and especially this morning upon Adrian. I pray that you would speak through him, and as he speaks to our hearts, may we receive your word with joy and peace. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, this is it, huh? Wow. Uh, first, I uh, just wanted to, just a time of Thanksgiving, I think it's real important. Uh, this was quite a bit of journey this week, and we're going to get into that um, after the video. But Aaron, Rob, Jason, wherever he's at, David uh, Lefevre, David Adams, Howard, Wynn, whomever that you've seen up here before, um, I, th I think we need to give them a round of applause and thanks for everything that they've done. Um, I don't know if I could explain uh, or help you perceive it, but this is quite a bit of, of work um, for me anyways to, to be able to deliver this message today. And I'm knowing a little bit more of what it takes. I'm very, very thankful for these men who speak into our uh, lives spiritually on a weekly basis. So thank you. Introduction. Here we go. This is it. Look at your seatbelts. All right, so uh, we're going to watch a video here in, the moment, in a moment. It's the story of uh, Jesus, Jesus uh, crossing the Sea of Galilee. Uh, there's a couple of things that I wanted to, to have you think about uh, before we watch the video. Um, but there's one question, and that's going to be the, the theme of it all, is where would I sit on this boat? Now, in preparation, I did a little bit of Googling um, to kind of know a little bit more about the boat. I don't know why, but just something about it wanted me to, to know just a little bit more about the physical space of, of everything. I think that, for me, I resonate a little bit more with that. So, describe, uh, describing the boat is 27 feet long, uh, not very wide. Um, one of the major details that, that uh, was very, very astonishing to me that it was believed to be made of scrap wood. Now, this is kind of interesting that imagining Jesus crossing a lake in a boat of scrap wood, uh, a boat of scrap wood, made out of scrap wood. That is kind of astonishing in the sense of he, he's the most holiest man to walk this earth, but he's and probably the least stable boat, physical boat anyways. So I, I thought about that detail. Um, and if we're looking here uh, in Matthew, uh, it's going to be uh, 8.20. The verse itself really, really starts to resonate when Jesus says, Foxes have dens to live in. And birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. So as I'm curious about the scripture and I'm looking into it, this is a really, really uncomfortable ride that, that, that they're about to go on. Um, and Jesus is telling, telling the people that want to come with them that, that it's not going to be daisies and roses. So I'm thinking about this um, 
where am I going to sit on this boat? There's no place to even lay your head. It's a little bit uncomfortable. And uh, just to paint a little bit more of a picture um, that they're roughing it, we can go to Mark 4, 38, and it says, Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. In a scrap wood boat, crossing a sea, laying his head on a cushion. So we're taking all this, combine it all, uncomfortable experience, has just been preaching and giving all kinds of uh, healings to, to people, the most uh, astonishing, beautiful acts that this has ever graced this earth until he died and rose again, because that was going to be the most amazing thing to happen. But prior to this, this is the most amazing stuff that anybody has ever witnessed. And with all that into consideration, you're going off to the next stop with Jesus. You're stepping off the land, feet in the water. Everybody's kind of moving into the boat. You're getting in that boat. Where, where are you going to be trying to sit? Let's take a look at the video. Jesus taught the crowd all day. In the evening, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boat and started their journey to the Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee. Being tired, Jesus went to the back of the boat and laid on a large cushion, and soon he fell asleep. During the night, a fierce storm hit the lake. Large waves crashed over the boat and threatened to capsize it. Jesus slept through it all. The disciples woke him and said, Master, cast the nuts that we perish. Jesus woke up and faced the storm. He said, Immediately, the wind stopped and the sea became calm. He then turned to the disciples and said, Why did you fear? Where is your faith? And then he laid down and went back to sleep. The men looked at the sky and the calm sea and they said, What kind of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey his voice? Their boat came to shore near a place where a wild man lived in the tombs. No one was able to control him. Many times he tried to put chains around him, but he easily snapped out of them. He roamed the hills naked and lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus and his disciples get out of their boat, he ran and knelt down before them. He shouted, I know who you are, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. Leave me alone. Don't torture me. Jesus said, What's your name? We're called Legion because we are many. Please don't send us into the abyss. Look, there's pigs over there. Send us unto them. Jesus looked at the pigs and said, Yes, you may go there. With that, the demons left the man and entered the pigs. All 2,000 of them went wild and rushed down the hill off the steep bank. They plunged into the sea and were drowned. All right. So, let me tell you a little bit about this sermon. Uh... I rewrote it twice, rewrote it twice, and those two rewrites, neither of those 
are going to be what you get here today. <laughs> I didn't think that was a joke, but I, but, but uh, I guess I guess you could see it that way. Um, on Wednesday, I spent about six hours at Boomtown Coffee, and that's kind of when this sermon began to to write itself. Um, and I left Boomtown, uh, which is in the Heights. If you're not if you're not I'm sure exactly where it's at. I don't know the street or the intersection, but I'll tell you how to get there later if you want to go. But I left there with out a sermon. I had 2,000 words, but I didn't like what I had. Um, and a tank of peace that was on empty. So that's, the, that's the, the, the series that we're in is Peace Be With You. Oh, and by the way, I meant to do this in my introduction but now that I remember, I have the chance to do it now. Peace be with you. <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. I had to have a little bit of responsorial, um, but I forgot, so that's good. I got a chance to do it. So um, we're, in, we're headed home on 610. I have 2,000 words and a tank full of peace that's on empty. And that sermon that I had in, in this laptop... I knew that wasn't going to be the one that, that God had me share with you today. But as I was writing, I realized that I needed to write the sermon to myself. Because whenever you're speaking to God's people, it's a, it's a funny thing uh, that, that I'm not sure I can describe. But when you're speaking to God's people... I feel that you have to look at into your own heart first to see where it's at. And that started to really drive um, where I was at with the 2,000 words that I had. Now, this is my first sermon at Oikos. Um, I'm not sure if this is going to be my last one, but um, I'm not sure that I could deliver one quite like it if I'm ever asked again, good or bad. And as I stand here today, I've only had peace this week for about four days, and that's since Wednesday, okay? And I think that was the driving factor um, that God wanted me to experience, and he wanted me to know, was that you're going to be preaching about peace to people, Adrian, and you don't have any. That's a hard sermon to write to teach you or to attempt to preach peace to people when you don't have any. So, I don't, you know, it's kind of funny. I invited, you know, you know this section is kind of big today. Um, I've come to find out my mom also invited um, all of my closest family and friends um, to join us. And it's kind of funny because here I am, supposed to be given a sermon of peace, and I don't have any, and it's turned into some dark confession that I don't have peace. Um, it's, it's not supposed to be that, but even though it, it, it kind of is. Um, but until Wednesday, or on Wednesday, I now have the clearest vision of what God wanted this sermon to be. Um, and it wasn't until I acknowledged the lack of it.
I remember a, a sermon that David Adams gave once. Um, if you've never heard it, it's, I, I totally recommend it. Uh, David Adams is one of our elders here. Um, it was about a year and a half ago at least. Uh, he spoke about um, his story about him and his son. It's a really, really beautiful story, and I won't tell you any part about it because I don't want to do the injustice of, of messing that beautiful story up. But what I will tell you is that what I remember from the story is that it was the most amazing thing to see God take the darkest and ugliest part of our lives and make them beautiful. And when I'm writing this sermon on Wednesday, I realized that, that he was starting to do that same thing for me. He was taking that ugly, dark place that I was in from who knows, God knows when, up until Wednesday, um, and he started to mold it into this whatever you're going to get today. Um, and that is, was one of the things that I was thinking of. Now, David and I's circumstances are completely different, and my story is, not, no, is nowhere near the, the story that, that God um, had, had painted for him. But I can kind of see those, those same themes um, start to bleed through into, into what God was having me um, pro provide for you guys today. So here I am um, in Boomtown, tormented because I had not realized that I had not been able to answer the question myself, truthfully at least. Now this part um, is for you, you know, because everything else I've, I've been kind of preaching here, I'm kind of preaching to myself a little bit. But this part is for you, so now you're probably wondering, what do you mean God asked you? I didn't actually physically hear the words, um, but he gave me the sermon back in January. So um, if you're not, if you come to Oikos regularly and you're not part of it, I encourage you um, that you speak to one of the leaders and, and become part of the, the uh, worship plan process. It's a really, really uh, cool thing as far as how um, the leaders start to build the sermons. If you don't know, everything is kind of planned out a year in advance. So I knew in January that I would be preaching, right? Um, and I was not asked, for the record, I was not asked. I was part of the planning process, and I looked, it was originally in October, I looked in October and I saw my name, and I couldn't understand why my name was listed down to preach. <laughs> um, but there it is, and it's gotten moved to December, which is, is part of the beautiful plan of God, and um, here I am. He let me live all 2018, um, and I'm thankful, but everything has led up to for me, anyways, this year, this is, you know, I had a bunch of endeavors, and if you follow me in anything I do, I've done a lot of pretty cool stuff this year, but this has been like kind of everything has been leading up to this moment. This date has been circled on my calendar since January. And as I'm at the laptop, you know, like the Kermit gif, he's kind of just going crazy typing on the typewriter, I started to... to hear scripture a little bit more, and um, I had a conversation with, uh, with Ken, which we'll get to a little bit more, but this story in the Bible is simple. There's not a lot to it. It's, it's fundamental. There's a storm brewing, and you have to turn to Jesus. That's the only way. I mean, that's, I didn't count how many words that was, but it's pretty simple. It's, it's probably less than 12. And 
that's why the message was so unwritable for me. I wasn't turning to Jesus. Wow. I'm asked a year in advance to write a sermon, I had all year to plan. Dates been circled. Um, I took a week of vacation to, to pin a sermon. I knew the scripture a year in advance, but I wasn't living and acting the exact thing the scripture was, was preaching to me. I wasn't turning to Jesus. Like, what was I thinking? And heading home, uh, I was on 610, come around the ship channel. And this was a pretty, uh, now we're going to get into the emotional part of it. And I'm not sure what's going to happen right now after this, but um, let's, let's, let's do this. So I'm heading home on 610 on Wednesday, six hours at Boomtown, without a sermon, even though I had one. It's, Jesus, what do you want me to say to these people? This is me screaming on 610. So if you passed me, you saw me, both hands tightly gripped on the wheel, screaming. You probably didn't, wouldn't have known what, but I'm screaming. What do you want me to say to these people? Because I had, I had 2,000 words that were from Scripture, but nothing to say. And then uh, Ken called me back, because uh, I called him earlier. And uh, my empty tank of peace was, uh, was now filled with tears. Uh, that conversation was a pretty emotional conversation um, that, that really helped me um, get to where I needed to be to, to be able to deliver a, a message um, to you guys. And I don't know if Ken, Ken's not here, by the way. He's, uh, he's, he's watching at home, though, so um, I'm going to give him a little shout out here. But I don't know if he knew, but our, our conversation had had tears pouring from my eyes. And as I'm talking to you right now, I don't know what kind of tears those were because this experience is so fresh. So I don't know if they were of pain, joy, but I do know that those tears were not of peace um, because at that point I, I still wasn't at peace. And even though I wasn't at peace, I began to understand a little bit more. Um, you see, I worry about a lot of things. Uh, to name a few, um, I, I worry about my social identity. I worry, about, uh, I worry about paying my student loans, not tithing. I worried about not being able to play drums on Sunday. I worry about if I'll ever get married. Two weeks ago, <clears throat> maybe if I just start talking emotional, just go away, right? Two weeks ago, I talked to Rob, and we got in a little conversation about marriage when he asked what he could be praying about along with this sermon. I'm sorry. 
And I'm apologizing because I told you that I was at peace with being single, right? But the truth is, there's a lot of times being single and the loneliness that comes with it can steal my joy. I had a friend text me a couple weeks ago. I'm not exactly sure where he's at in his faith. Uh, but he was going through a tough time and asked me to, uh, to talk to him. And, I asked, and he asked me, uh, what, what, how can you be so calm with these circumstances? And I asked him, why do you think? His response was church, because he knew that I went there. And while that answer is pretty much correct, he understood something that, that I didn't. Not because I told him something once, because somewhere inside of me, he saw it. And what he saw wasn't me, because Adrian would not be calm under the circumstances that he was living in. But it was Jesus. You have to believe that. And him turning to me, asking me for help, and seeing Jesus on me, he, he got it. And I didn't, but here I am with the responsibility of speaking about peace. That's where peace comes from. Just, like, just as simple as it is in, in, in the story that we're reading today and the scripture that we're diving into. Peace comes from Jesus. I knew it, but I didn't understand it. I lost count how many times I was reading the story of the Bible it's like I told Ken on the phone, disciples freak out, they forget about their faith, they got to be reminded. They got to re be reminded that only Jesus could rescue them from the storm. And uh, I think that's when, when it started to, to hit a little bit harder um, as I was writing this sermon. They should have known it, I should have known it. And here I offer you this, we forget, I forgot. We get distracted. If I'm looking back into the story, I can only help but feel the way the disciples did. Now, they didn't know there would be a storm. They knew that it was going to be an uncomfortable road, at least because they had already been down some of the things that, that they went into prior um, in their walk with Jesus. But they didn't know that there was going to be a storm, and they hadn't seen him do anything this amazing yet as far as calming the storm. But if anything, they were motivated, right? He, Jesus performed all these miracles and did all these this great things. And this storm hit, and immediately they forgot. Why did they forget? They forgot about all the amazing things Jesus had done because they were distracted. Because they were distracted, just like I was, their storm may have not created their own demise like I did, but in Scripture, it says there was real danger. Uh, we're going to go through Luke, Matthew, and Mark real quick. In Luke, it says, uh, chapter 8, verse 23, As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was, the boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. 
Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. Oh, sorry, we're, we're in Matthew now. Oh, he's following me. All right, Haby. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. And then Mark 4, verse 37, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. What does that mean, real danger? These are vivid images of what the disciples were experiencing, but I think they represent the, the vivid imagery in our real lives as far as what we experience, the real danger in the storms. Now, I, I told you a few things that, that, are, that are storms for me, but the truth is, <clears throat> this looks different for all of us, and I, I'm not going to speak for anyone, but loss, depression, depression pregnancy, um, you may have not gotten that job you may have your car broken into, um, an argument with your spouse, a car wreck could have drained your bank account to zero. Um, these are things of this earth, where they're real, but they're of this earth. And what I want to encourage you in is to not let those things distract you. It's a funny thing writing about peace when you had none. Now, as uh, God revealed this to me, I worried about these earthly things, stirring a storm in my head and in my heart. Now, the question is, what do I do with all that? One of the questions is, uh, for all of you that don't know, you're kind of getting a peek into what it's like for me to write a sermon anyways. I know everyone else does it differently, but um, I submitted a, a first or a draft to, to Aaron, and he sent me some, some notes, and one of the questions that he wanted me to ask, uh, or not ask you, but uh, one of the things he wanted me to think about was, what were some actionable things that I could do that I invite you to do um, that I don't have peace with? Because I don't know your hearts, God's, God does, um, so I know the storms and real danger in your life is a lot different than mine, but I'll use mine as an example just so, so you can know what do I do with all, those, all these things. Well, first, you have to tell God about it. That's repentance and confession. You have to tell God all the things that are creating real danger in your life and, and, and that are your storm. He already knows these things, even though you're confessing to him, but you have to trust him. So when I pray, because that's, that's what you can do, you can confess and repent through prayer. So when I pray, and I have some written down here, it says, Dear Father, soften my heart, soften my heart because it's hardened towards you forgiving. I'm going to pray expectantly. And that means with the expectation to expect that it will be done. I'm going to pray expectantly. Dear Lord, I pray that the wife you are having me wait for one day, I pray that today her faith in you is stronger than it was yesterday and that her day will be filled with your joy. Dear God, I know that I do not have enough in my bank account to pay my student loans, but remind me that you, I have all, in you I have all that I need. Help me to have faith in that fact. This is, what I, this is what I will do. This is something that you can do, um, is to, to speak to God through prayer um, 
and confess those, those things that are real in your lives um, that you struggle with. Right? Because we already got the message. The message was already said in, in, in the first paragraph. You got to turn to Jesus. So this is my hope for you. <clears throat> but also that you'll be humbly, humbly in his word, um, speaking to him through prayer. Um, it's important that this didn't come from me sitting down in, in Boomtown, you know, just aimlessly. You know, there was some structure. I had, this, I had scripture, right? But, but it, it's through these things. It's, it's th- going through this process that I had to give it to God. I had to, I had to read, I had to read this, these stories in three different books and I don't know how many different translations but it, it, it took that. And in it, I was able to find peace. I had to do it humbly, though. So don't forget that. Now, we don't have the physical, physical luxury to uh, nudge Jesus in his sleep like the disciples did. Um, but I just want to tell you that you're not alone. Um, because I was scheduled in January to be here for you guys today. Um, and, I, and I came to some, some realizations that I wasn't at peace. And then through that, God has spoken that there's more than just me in here today that, that are not at peace with something. Um, and just know that you're, you're not alone in that. Um, yeah. So what changed? What changed? What changed that I, was, I stopped writing and pretending to tell you all these fancy Adrian themes and Adrian metaphors about what peace was, all this, what I thought was cool imagery. Um, and I gave you a message that the, that the Holy Spirit would have worked through. Oh, oh. And I was going to give you a message through using those things. And I promise you that the Holy Spirit would have worked through them and spoken to, to you in just the same manner. But I stopped writing Adrian's message and I started writing God's. And that was of the Holy Spirit. Now, even though it says so explicitly in the Bible where to find peace, and I stand here to tell you that I had none, this is the struggle that we create about peace. And it could be anyone. When you receive that peace, what do you do with it when it comes? You do what I'm doing right now. You share the good news with others. That's important. Um, I don't think that you can have absolute peace or true peace um, if you keep it to yourself. It's not a peaceful thing um, to do. So you have to share the good news with others. And the good news is that they can have it too. That they can be in the same comfort of their Heavenly Father's arms just like you. They could have that. And why would you want to withhold that from someone? So share it with others. Luke 8. Go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. This was the demon-possessed man um, in the story that, that, that Jesus expelled the demons from. What better way to recognize the peace that God has offered you than to share it with others? If you could recognize that you have peace, 
That is the opportunity and the big flashing billboard that you can share it with others. I wanted to share this story, my story, God's story. And it's for those that are distracted and struggling with having peace in their own life like I was, which if you're anything like me, it's serious. But Jesus was a reminder on that boat. And God wants to leave you with a reminder today. And we need that reminder. But more than we need that reminder, that especially during Advent with you know, Christmas trees and, and the story of, of Jesus being born, that's the whole reason that he came in the first place. To bring us peace, right? That we're forgiven for all of our sins, that we can live freely in, in the kingdom of God. He came so that we could have peace. Jesus was born, died, rose again, so that everyone in here, in Oikos today, and in Houston, and on the other continents, can have peace, heavenly peace, knowing that even if I reject him here today, the chair is pulled out, and the table is set for me to, to sit at the table with him and his family. Y'all, I'm getting really excited how this is coming out. Uh, this, 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 feels, this feels pretty good right now. I, I can't quite explain it, but this is it's coming full circle, and it, it feels really good. I would just like really like a cup of water, though. <clears throat> So, and I'm under 30 minutes right now too, by the way. So, and which is good for you too, because you're going to get to experience a little bit more of your Sunday um, in, in God's kingdom, but not if I keep talking on a, on a tangent. So, the storm that you've been wrestling with as you uh, walked into church today, give it to Jesus. He has the answers. The peace may not look like what you imagined. But again, that's because it's not of this earth. You, you, you think about what the disciples asked Jesus to do. They asked him to silence the winds, make it stop raining. Oh, man, look at that. Pretty strong, brother. Okay. Should I stretch? <clears throat> uh, Jesus, the water of life. <clears throat> So the peace may not look like what you imagine, but again, it's not of this earth. Jesus asked the disciples to calm the storm. I'm just asking them to bring me a wife. I think that's not, not that hard of a thing compared to silencing winds and pouring rain. But he did. He calmed the storm. He said, silence be still. Now, I didn't really say it with, with the authority that I thought I was, but um, Jesus exclaims it. In, in fact, in the Bible, um, there's an exclamation point in these verses. Um, he says, silence, be still. I think that means something because he has that intention, and I'm about to make up a word. <laughs> Excuse me. He has that intentionality about how he loves us and how, how bad he wants to, to give you peace.
So turn to him. When I say turn to him, that means pray. That means be in his word, read the Bible. He's resting with you in that storm. He's not sleeping, but he's waiting for you to call upon him. Through prayer, through confession, repentance. Even though we all try and toss the water out of the boat ourselves, this, I did keep some of my metaphors and imagery, <clears throat> so you'll get a little bit of that. Even though we will try and toss the water out of the boat ourselves, thinking that we're in control and can drive ourselves out of the storm, he will never stop waiting for you, for you to call upon him. Jesus already knows that you will push him away from the peace that he's offering you today. He loves you anyways. Thankfulness is an absolute expression of faith. And through faith, like the disciples, you will have peace. Be thankful for his peace and share it with others. Where do I look for peace? Ask yourselves. In the beginning, before the video, I asked where you would sit on that boat. On the boat lies Jesus. You're going through the storm one way or another. I hope that after today you can answer the question, I will sit on the boat next to Jesus. His kingdom is open to you, and it lies peace. Do you accept? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to come into this earth so that we may be forgiven for all the times that we don't look, for, look to you and look to him. May you place reminders in our lives daily. And you may, may you be ever-present so that we're not distracted by the real dangers of this world. But we confess these things to you that we will succumb to them. It will happen. We won't turn to you. But we give thanks that we're forgiven for those things. That, I, that, that you don't count all the times that I don't turn to you, dear Lord. But what you consider is the faith that we have in you to rescue us from the storm. And we thank you for this wonderful blessing that you allow us to live with in all of our days here. And let us, talk, uh, ooh, let us pray the prayer that our Father taught us to pray. Our Father, 